Anyway, a good rule of them is that if you don't know what the song is about, it's about amphetamines. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's true about Seal Kiss from a Rose. That's about a, that's It's a, about cocaine. The, uh, that's what I just heard. Yeah. yeah, I just saw that on Twitter. I was like, oh, yeah. I thought it was about Batman. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I thought it was about. <laughs> uh, we should do the um, Batman soundtrack sometime. Yeah. Oh, the Prince if, Batman, Batman soundtrack? soundtrack? I have yeah. that on LP, actually. It's a good It's a good Ooh. soundtrack. One of the best. Bad all dance. original Prince Just songs. a totally... Like, if you think of all the aesthetic things about Tim Burton's Batman... I know, right? And then imagine... Prince. Yeah, it's gotta like, be it, Prince. It doesn't fit in there. But anyway. it works. It just, it, it slaps. It's beautiful. One of the best soundtracks of all time. Uh, what that Party Man movie? song, yeah. uh, Trust. Bat Dance. The parade. Bat Dance. Oh my God. That's like one of Prince's best albums, like period. It's just Batman. Uh, they should have done a, uh, a, a flip where they had Prince play Batman and Michael Keaton did the music. For the second <laughs> one. All right. Now to get really started. Welcome to And Introducing, a podcast about words, about music. I'm Chris Wade. And I'm Molly O'Brien. And introducing The Fall. It's the story of punk rock's orneriest group, and of course, the frontman synonymous with the name Marky Smith. Today, we'll be learning all about Smith and The Fall through the recollections of the dozens and dozens and dozens of musicians used up and discarded in The Fall's chaotic wake through Dave Simpson's The Fallen. Life in and out of Britain's most insane group. Wow. Most insane group. Is there that, are is dozens that? of us. <laughs> dozens. But first, let's introduce our own guest. Uh, one of the uh, first things I noticed when I started becoming familiar with uh, this person's work is the copious amounts of fall references uh, ladled throughout it all. Uh, he is one of the most, uh, the, I would say, premier uh, fa- fall fans in independent media. Uh, my friend, my colleague, from Chapel Trap House, it's Will Meneker. Hey, Will. Hello. Hello. It's a joy to be here. It's a joy to be anywhere where we're talking Mark E. Smith and the fall. One of my, my most problematic fave. <laughs> if that's, most, that's not so bad. Yes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> he had a few phases. That he had were, some phases. You know, yeah. I don't know. He comes out no, at no, the end I, of this book looking honestly not the worst. No shame. His no biggest shame enemy here. is is himself. Yeah. No shame here. Yeah. So we've been trying to put this together for a while. Obviously, I knew that you know in terms of uh, you know doing a podcast about stories about music, the fall is going to come up uh, sooner or later. Yes. Uh, and so you know, as I alluded to in your intro, I, I couldn't imagine somebody else to uh, do this with. And usually, how we start this show is uh, just kind of going through our own experiences with the band. So, uh, uh, Will, how did you, how did you come across the fall and, and, and how did they, uh, resonate with you? I forget how I first came across them. I think like I heard them on just like, uh, some like collection of like, you know, uh, punk songs of the seventies and eighties, you know? <laughs> and I was, I think it was bingo masters breakout and, uh, maybe their cover of there's a ghost in my house, mm. like sort of like a few singles. I don't think we're even on any, their major albums. And it was one of those things where, like I didn't really like it when I first heard it, but I couldn't stop listening to it. <laughs> and like little by little, it grew on me. And then I think it was actually through the work of uh, uh, Mark Ames and uh, Yasha Levine, who are big fall heads as well, that I, I think I, they were sort of my, you know, uh, shepherds into the world of uh, the fall and Marky Smith. And it's just like one of those things where it's like, um, yeah, like initially unappealing to me, but like 
so many of the things that are most rewarding in life, it just sort of grows on you and it takes over your consciousness and you hear like a, like a, just a certain phrase or a certain line that just stands out so much in your head and you can't get it out and then you need to keep listening to it. And then it's just, they're the perfect example of a, you know, a cult band. Like, mm-hmm. a, a, I think, what was it? Um, John Peel described them. Both as, in their operation. And <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Their and their fan base, yeah. You know, I think John Peel described uh, The Fall as like always different, always the same. And yeah, like that's the thing. It was just like in all their iterations, I mean, it fundamentally, they sound like, you know, like they never kind of did the same thing twice, but like, but at the same time, it always was just Marky e. Smith's lyrics. And um, I, I think he's like one of the best songwriters of all time. Like I said, he has so many phrases that just uh, strike your ear in such a way. Um, and like I said, they are a cult band because like they are incredibly difficult to get into it. So it's sort of like a badge of honor if you are, you know, a fallhead that you know you've you've listened to like all the album, you listen to like all the you know screeching twelve to thirteen <laughs> minute songs like Spectre versus Rector, and you actually get them, and you can tell people like, no, no, no. Just just wait till the shrieking starts. That's <laughs> when it gets good. But like, no, like the idea is like they they're not they're not a band that you can just sort of pick up and get into casually. But the mm-hmm. rewards of doing so are immense. <laughs> You've listened to their ten thousand songs and identified the, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. twenty the twenty good ones. <laughs> but you know that those those diamonds. I'd give it up much higher percentage than that. But <laughs> Chris, uh, yeah, I mean, my awareness of the fall is was and still is fairly academic as, you know, somebody who kind of went out of their way to like find the, what were the canonically like cool bands and like try to understand them and get into them as much as I could as like a specific project of mine, rather than like naturally falling into cool things as the uh, fundamental dork that I am. Yeah. Yeah. Who does that? I don't even know what that's But uh, yeah, you know, um, they were something that I probably heard of in the background, but as with most things here, when I got into like college radio and got passed down these like old zines of like what you need to know to run this radio station, the fall were listed, you know, whole page spread to them of being like, you have to know about this band. And so like went into the stacks and listened to, you know, a bunch of, you know, live from the witch trials and and a bunch of stuff like that. Uh, Even though I felt like at that time when I was, you know, freshman in in college or whatever, like I, I felt like I, I like got it. I would like listen to like put the albums on my like 2 a.m. radio uh, show and be like, OK, I'm not like doing this because I, I necessarily enjoy it, but I'm doing it because I know that it is uh, right and cool. And But weirdly, because of that, the album that I got into the most is one of their uh, post 2000s work, mm-hmm. uh, which I know that like most people don't uh, come to. But to this day uh, of all their songs. Uh, the only one that is still on my running mix is a uh, pacifying joint from a uh, 2005's fallhead roll, which as well, you were saying always different, always the same. Yeah. This sounds basically like anything that they've recorded in like, you know, uh, uh, 1979, except maybe with slightly more synthesizer. Oh yeah. This is like a Chris song. Yeah. And this is the only thing it does the entire time, but yeah, the groove. But you gotta like. I feel like I got like, just like it was way easier for me to get into them. Like I, I, I you know, even like their weirdest stuff. Like after a certain point, I was like, these are all bops. Like, <laughs> I'm just like this is this is pleasant, easy listening to me. <laughs> no, but I just um, they remind me a lot of uh, like when we were just in Providence talking to that the, the film crew about H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. And they remind me a lot of H.P. Lovecraft because, uh, you know, Marky e. Smith himself and his lyrics greatly influenced by Lovecraft. 
but they remind me of Lovecraft in so much as that once you get into them, you realize that like you can trace this whole like reverse yes. engineer this whole like genealogy of like like this whole bloodline of like everything that's cool yeah. and you like. You can trace in one way or another back to this like wellspring. I was just thinking of, like, about weird, cryptic, paranoid rantings of a deeply troubled, bad, bad man, man yeah. yeah, who whom nobody would add, like actually want to ever spend time to or be yeah. close. Uh, I was trying to think of like, yeah, and that's one of the reasons that you know from the the radio station they were like, you have to know about this band. I was trying to think about like how many things come from even just the affectations of Marky Smith. And the first thing that came to me, I don't know, this might be a weird one, but just like even down to like glossy uh, 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 dance hits, like I was thinking about that old uh, uh, Arctic Monkeys song and just like the flat affect of the guy going, I bet bet you look good good on on the the dance floor. floor. I'm like, yeah, that's just a guy doing a Marky Smith impression for a bunch of like, uh, you know, New new wave. A, uh, a bunch of people uh, who just bought their first iPod. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> who picked up the the album at a uh, the Marky Smith or the Marky Smith, the Arctic Monkeys LP at Urban Outfitters. The, uh, the Arctic Monkeys. The Arctic Monkeys <laughs> in two thousand seven or whatever. You know, that's that like, straight through that. Yeah, yeah. I think like the other thing that's like um, the the appeal of Marky Smith in the fall is like they really are one of the most literary rock bands mm. in that like uh, Marky Smith's lyrics really are the, like very. They're very dense and novelistic, yeah. like you know, they, like, they're, they're, it's like a really, you know, like Joyce or Melville or something, uh, like an epistolary novel yeah. from your invalid cousin. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like uh, like in some Moorish, uh, like sanitarium on the moors. But yeah, like he's not like a traditional singer. Like he does just kind of like talk, kind of over these these you know grinding, uh, very simple stripped down sounds. Right. But um, yeah, like it's just like I said, like certain phrases just stick in your head and uh, stay there like uh, like great literary pros. I mean, the one that's been banging around my head for like months now, and it's impossible to, you know, what, what's the best song or lyric? I don't know. Like it's just, it's just certain phrases that just pop in and out and stay there forever is um, uh, the first line from uh, In My Area, which I think is like on the expanded edition of Dragnet, mm-hmm. um, where he says at the beginning of the song, uh, a dwarf. The dwarf plays pool to prove his height. People play games when they lose at life. Ooh, yeah, I like that. Yeah, here it is. Games when they lose in life, there's no sport lad, just has to touch your stomach flesh. There's I'm also just like this reminds me of like Liz Fair from the nineties. You know, like the like kind of shitty guitar thing. Yeah. And you just sort of like mumble over it. There's a palpable um like nastiness and meanness to every fall song. Like, oh, yeah. like that like that is like a, a unifying thread to all of them. And as I'm sure you'll learn from the book, uh, to the man himself. So Molly, yeah. how do you feel about the fall? I don't I don't feel I hadn't felt much about them. Um, I had heard about them also in like an academic way because I'm someone who read about music before I could afford to buy most of my own. And I remember that when the um, 
the British rapper The Streets uh, uh, yeah, came yeah, out. Sure. That, I think that's when I first heard of uh, The Fall because I think he was being compared to like a sort of a modern day hip hop version uh, of yeah. The Fall. Um, and that's when I was like, oh, what's this dude? Your but, fit, uh, my God, don't you know? Like that, that song? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you, oh, you've never listened to The I've Streets? Never, I've never, I couldn't pick a street song out of a lineup. Uh, but yeah, that, so I have only heard of uh, Marky Smith in the fall in theory, not in practice. And then this book really uh, brought me up to speed. <laughs> so do we want to dive into the narrative? Yes, let's do that. So this book was written by this guy, Dave Simpson, who seems to be sort of like a journalist of some, some description in England, um, who's a fall fan. Yes. He reported and wrote this book from 2005 to 2007. And the beginning of the book acknowledges that by the time he turned in the book, the current lineup of the fall that he had uh, just interviewed had been sacked. Okay. <laughs> so even he couldn't even keep up with Marky Smith's uh, discerning yeah. taste for yeah. rotating band members midway over through the course the of writing the book. And midway through the fourth decade of existence of yes. the fall. And, and he also he's so he, he's go he goes way back with Mark in that he saw him several times in like the late 80s and then through to his adult life. And uh, when he tried to get an autograph from Mark and neither of them could find a pen, Mark signed the author's ticket by taking a bite out of it. Sure. <laughs> so like this guy is definitely like probably a I would call him a fall super fan, um, but he's, you, you know, taking on a journalistic task of who are these people who have been in the fall besides Marky Smith throughout I mean, the years? I mean, this is certainly an obsessive's quest. Yes, yes. Because I'm sure some totally of these people uh, became quite obscure. Yes. He says, um, <laughs> they're one of the most revered and influential bands in British pop, one who more than most lend themselves to obsession. Uh, they have had more hit singles that haven't penetrated the top 20 than any other British band. Wow, that's uh, a great ignominious status. So they've had uh, the most like number 80 number, on the Yeah, on or number 50. It's like, like, like Ricky Henderson style <laughs> stats for a band. Yeah. Uh, they'd released, by the author's count, something like 27 albums by the book's publishing, but the official count is actually unclear, <laughs> which again makes them great for obsessives because you can just sort of hunt these things down for the rest of your life. Um, yeah, because he, like every album that they released was like published in like different imprints of different small labels and like, yeah. you know, weird live sets that came out on like limited edition. Kind of Sun Ra like yeah. actually in a way. Um, the the author's trying to describe the appeal of the Falls music and says, uh, it's Marky Smith's splenetic observations and surreal, often slurred insights on everything from M15 conspiracies to mythical Mancunian city hobgoblins <laughs> to the resemblance of British people in hot weather to beached whales. <laughs> Rated true. And he points out that throughout their tenure, the fall have operated like an old fashioned factory. Smith is the site manager responsible for hiring and firing workers. He's more like a music contractor who like goes into a certain space and like builds a cup, puts it a, together a contracting team. He's like, a, he's like the worst boss yeah. ever. That's like his, his thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and of being a fall fan, the author says, uh, it's as if we all have a crack in our psyches or a scar in our experiences that makes us susceptible to the fall. Do you feel this way, Will? <laughs> I, I never felt that before you just read that. But <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I feel that. Um, yeah, the fall is like something that just uh, is like a, 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 a 
invading fluid that can fall into you, the exactly. cracks of it, misanthropy. That there's you some, have yeah, exactly. There's some psychic wound or fracture that you had <laughs> earlier in life that the, that the fall will find its way of, yeah, you know, we'll like just seeping the, into. That we will hear something like that <laughs> yeah. and be like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with this. Um, and then the, I just really like this description of fall fandom. Uh, their former manager, Kay Carroll, says... You'd go to a gig and it was like the audience had all been in a plane crash and ended up in a field. They had nothing in common whatsoever. <laughs> like, I mean, that's, I think that's lovely. Just yeah. like solidarity in complete difference other yeah. than like liking this old Would, mean man. It's <laughs> cool. I mean, I wonder what time she was writing that about because I do think that that is one of the, maybe like one of the interesting things about their career because one of the interesting things of the early punk scene in England was how like same everybody really was in it. Yeah. You know, but like, it's a lot still of, British like, same that yeah, she's yeah. talking about. Exactly. You know? So it's, I'm sure that the, just by virtue of sticking around longer than like the two years that every other British punk band stuck around in the late seventies, yeah. they collected a lot more uh, weirdos into their uh, fan basing and diversified in that weirdoness. So he does manage to interview most of the former members. Not all of them were that interesting. So this is will just be sort of like a highlight reel because I think you learn a lot of stuff about Marky Smith along the way. Um, this he is actually, probably the most honest way to write a book about Marky Smith, though, because yeah. I've read Marky Smith's uh, autobiography, Renegade, which he has simultaneously said uh like claimed ownership of and then and then also said i never wrote it or like it's just like someone else go ghost wrote it for me and i just like signed off on it or yeah. took the check or whatever so it's very hard to suss out like what he's ever telling the truth about yes so i think like you could get like if you interview the 75 people <laughs> that he's worked with over the course of this musical project like it, it's a rashomon thing but eventually i think you will like that that kind of data set you will get a kind of an accurate uh, portrayal. Yes. Uh, yes. There, in your life, you will meet two Marky Smiths: one who will always lie, <laughs> and one who will always tell the truth. Uh, uh, regardless of whether it's true or not, there are some extremely funny parts of uh, Renegade. I would, I would highly recommend that book as well. I'll I'm sure both of his lies exactly and his truths yeah. are extremely funny stories. Yes. Um, so we actually start with interviewing Mark himself um, in Manchester, and he's like, you what, know, what at does the bar. He stand for. Edward? Not entertainment. Not entertainment. Sorry. Uh, Mark Edward Smith. Okay. I think it's Edward. Um, so they're talking about, he, and he know, Mark knows that this guy is writing, he's trying to seek out his former bandmates and he is like, no, I'm not going to give you any of their contact information. <laughs> You're going to have to like do this on your own. Like, sorry, dude. Um, he also remembers fondly some pranks that he pulled on. He's a big prankster. Oh yeah. Um, he's like George Clooney. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, some like pranks. Many he pulls have said on that Marky Smith is like the George Clooney of music. Of, of punk music. Yeah. 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 That's true. Um, he says one, one such prank was, uh, in Germany when, uh, one of my band members is ordering breakfast, you get them to shout the German words for, excuse me, stick it up your arse. Will you? He's laughing so much. He can barely speak. Then suddenly he looks sad. The musicians are getting wise to it now. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, another but, famous, uh, Marky Smith prank. That, uh, I think it was their, probably, uh, their biggest hit in pop culture of, uh, of recent vintage and you know marky smith you know just died this year as well yeah kind of Rip. amazing he lived as long as he did <laughs> yeah considering his you know daily diet of you know alcohol pints and and, and, speed. Uh, and speed yeah and, and then like 10 packs of cigarettes but um they were booked at the uh the reading festival and mark e smith famously 
threw a bottle at Mumford and Sons during one of their sound checks, what? yelling, and I quote, get them retarded Irish folk singers off the stage. Oh my <laughs> and then, God. And then after he did it, they, like, they were like, no, they're the headliners. And he was like, what? <laughs> I didn't know they were like top of the charts or whatever. He probably still would have done it. But he was like, what's this shit? Get this fucking fuck out of here. <laughs> so for that uh, legend as well, because yeah. I mean, nothing. I mean, nothing could be you know further from the fall or fall fandom than uh, Mumford and Sons. Yes, yeah. boys. Uh, look, I wouldn't have used the language that he did, but I'm glad. But someone had to say it. Yeah, might as well have been him. So he, Mark kind of sends him on his way. Like, okay, dude, whatever. Like, but also don't listen to any of these people. Like, they you can't trust them. Um, so he finds the first guy he talks to is a guitarist named Tommy Crooks. He only played with the fall from 1997 to 1998. Uh, two, it, I feel like they average at like two years stints. Occasionally, someone will make it longer than that. Well, I'm, whenever I see something like 1997 to 1998, I also imagine it's like November 97 to <laughs> mid-February. Yeah. 98, yeah. yeah. And so he left after probably the most famous kind of breakdown of the fall, which was in New York City mm-hmm. at Brownie's. Did okay. you ever go to Brownies back? Where you I did it cross over? I remember it, but I don't think I never. There? I don't think I ever saw it. Brownies is a very used to be a very small uh, d- DIY ish, not DIY exactly, but, but like a little club rock space. venue. Uh, so it's the fight started when Mark repeatedly slapped uh, his drummer's cymbal to the ground. Um, the drummer, who is Carl Burns, who is a man who is never found and becomes an enigma, kind of floating through this book, by the way. <laughs> like uh, many people reference Carl. Everyone's and like, he Carl, never what, is he dead? Like, how is he doing? Like, I think I saw him like riding by on a motorbike without a shirt on the other day. Um, so Carl is fed up with Mark slapping his cymbals to the ground. He starts strangling Mark. And then uh, there's a huge sort of punch up and it ends, the night ends with Mark in jail on domestic assault charges because he has hit his girlfriend-ish at the time slash bandmate, Julia Nagel. So this was like, and then shortly afterward, pretty much everyone left the fall besides Marky Smith and it truly was the grandma on Bongo's lineup. Like era. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Tommy Crooks, the guy he's interviewing, was there for that. By the way, this book is truly my fucking nightmare because I hate it when we're reading memoirs and people are like in and out and in and out. And so like this is all this book is and it was a lot of names and I, I just wanted a moment of appreciation. The last one that you had this trouble with was the uh, the the prog rock memoir. Yes. Oh uh, my God. Also because those people are uh, not as big of characters as like Meet Me in the Bathroom, which is another oral history. Lots of names. Yeah. But everybody in that is like I'm a familiar character with and that you're familiar scene. and uh, uh, and everybody yeah. is like uh, in the Prague book was like uh, uh, Jimothy two shambles uh, <laughs> clavitone programmer <laughs> for Genesis from 1971 to 1973. Yeah, <laughs> it was a nightmare. Um, that's interesting uh, that the um, I think like in Renegade um, a, a big uh, through line of the book is Mark's hatred of drummers. <laughs> yeah, he seems to have troubles with them. And vice versa. Had had you heard of this this row? I think it was kind of familiar with it. Yeah, yeah. But no, yeah this this, I think today I'm he might have been arrested for other things like possession or something or drunkenness. But like this is his, I think maybe only violent arrest. Mm. And we'll we'll get back to this later. It, we re, we'll revisit it. But this is kind of the mood that we at least first come into when we're talking to Tommy Crooks. Tommy Crooks ran into Mark on the street in Edinburgh. Uh, and Mark was like, hey, do you want to play in the band? 
Did he know that this guy was a guitarist? No, they like just got to chatting and the guy was like barely a guitarist and like sure. wasn't that good, but he I mean, was that's just no, that's no hurdle to <laughs> yeah, any yeah. other previous musical clearly, output. Yeah, clearly not. So he had never heard him play and he just invited him into the band and this happened a lot. A lot of the the fall members are just people that Mark literally just saw and was like, "You're in the band." Because I mean, like, I think yeah, his thing is like he never liked or respected like anyone who was like a virtuoso musician, a muso, at all. Yeah, if like, you will. Ex- yeah, exactly. Like he always had contempt or hatred for that because I, you know, I think he, I think he viewed musicians the way like Stanley Kubrick viewed actors. You know, mm. like that they were just sort of like tools, t- tools to be abused for his edification, <laughs> and, and he had like the the purity of his creative vision. And, uh, unlike Kubrick, though, who has this, yeah, this vast technical infrastructure of which the human component is tiny compared to the the technical achievement what DIY. he wants to do. <laughs> yeah. Mark on the other side is like, look, a, a, a fucking monkey can play the guitar lines I need you to play for this, so <laughs> yeah. don't ask questions, just play what I say. Uh, Tommy Crook said that once Mark handed him a bill for his laundry and said, sing that. <laughs> which once again like very sun raw like just being like i don't know play the sound of like water yes or like i don't know can you make your next solo more orange yeah exactly i wonder if Marky smith has synesthesia probably not <laughs> he has it but every uh sense is just interpreted in his mind into the color gray yeah uh, the writer then talks to the Hanley brothers. So there were two different brothers in the band at, at different points. One of them had a very long run. He was a bassist from 1979 to 1998, which the writer describes as the sort of sentence you don't even get for armed robbery. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other, the brother was a drummer for five years. He wasn't Again, the, the drummer. That's just, that's a long run for a drummer. That was, yeah. He wasn't the only bassist from 79 to 98, was he? Um, I think he might have been the main one. I don't know. Maybe sometimes he had two or something. Why? Wait, why? I just, well, just wondering because my, my knowledge of the band is that nobody made it that long. Yeah. In it. Um, no, he, I think he might have had maybe a couple of hi- hiatuses. Sure. Um, but he, the drummer talks about Paul. He, he says... Uh, the mood of the band, he said, the tension is manufactured because Mark winds people up. On a 20-date tour, he'd rather have 10 shit gigs and 10 great gigs than 20 that are middling. Uh, I, I kind of subscribe to that. I mean, if, you, if inconsistency gets you exceptionality along with the shit, mm-hmm. then I would definitely rather have in projects that I am working on or involved with. When's the last time you guys saw a show where the band was like actively bad? Because honestly, like question. I don't know if I've ever seen a show where people like truly didn't have their shit together, oh, I and saw, I would be I would be excited by that. I saw um, this was like uh, years ago, but uh, I saw RZA in concert when like that movie he did with Russell Crowe with the, the <laughs> man with the iron fist or yes, whatever yes, came yes. out. Mm-hmm. And it was like the soundtrack release for that movie. And me and my friends wanted to go because I was like, you know, RZA, RZA we'll sure. see RZA, and like RZA performed for like ten minutes, and then he was like. Yo, 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 I'm just going to let my cousin come on here and show and prove for y'all. And then we just gave him the mic and left. <laughs> I was like, that was pretty fucking whack. That I, was pretty bad. I feel like when shows are bad, I, I totally memory hold them and, uh, yeah, and don't, don't really wanna, recall them. Yeah. You don't want to deal. The, the long-term basis, oh, I can, Steve, yeah? Uh, Eminem. That was not, I wouldn't say that was like tech technically bad that was just like emotionally bad yeah it was but like technically like he had everything together i guess yeah i just haven't seen someone like truly like fully fall apart on stage well uh when we were on tour in europe um and we did the show in glasgow uh the venue we performed at 
um, we were hanging out with a fan after the show, and he said he saw uh, the fall perform there yeah. like a couple months before our, we did, and it was like one of the last shows he did before he uh, died. Jesus. And he said it was, um, you could tell where it was. He was performed in a wheelchair and looked like you know the crypt keeper. Oh like my god! It was, he said it was a really bad show. <laughs> oh my god! And it was like sort of tragic to watch. Oh my god! Uh, not not great. Oh Jesus. Um, the long-term basis is describing the approach to, to Mark's building of the band by saying the fall works best when it's Mark and four or five normal people who he, he can bounce ideas off of. The trouble is that after a while in the fall, you're no longer normal. <laughs> 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 Which I liked. Um, he then meets a current uh, member of the fall who by the end of the book is not, has been it's, sacked. Yes. Uh, who says that he's really in the process of losing his hair from stress. Okay. Um, it's The writer points out that a lot of these people actually sound like they are like war reporters, <laughs> like that their level of intensity is similar to like being a soldier as opposed to being a member of a band, um, which makes sense to me. I mean, one of my, uh, I, I, there was like a Vice article, I think based on this book that like had like, it was like an oral history of the fall by its former members. And one of the things that really stuck out is like they had like a subsection, like being on tour. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a really funny part from, I forget who it was. It was like one of the, the newer, younger members. And they're like, you know, they're on tour in Europe for the fall. This may even be like, you know, their first, you know, big rock and roll tour experience. And like they're at the hotel and, you know, Berlin or whatever. They're in the room and they're like, checked in, having a good time. They crack some beers. They're laughing it up. And he says, like, just out of nowhere, the phone rings. And they pick it up and it's Mark. And he's just like, he's like, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. He's like, you lads, you're not on holiday. Be in the lobby in fucking 20 minutes. <laughs> 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 you're not on fucking holiday, mate. Like, oh and it's just God. like a fucking drill sergeant. Like, No fun. No fun. Uh, does this book give any uh, indication or background on Mark's early life? Or Not anything. Really. It's, it's really just the whole history of the grew band. Grew up middle class a, or no, grew up working class. Yeah, yeah. he grew up um, like uh, fairly uh, working class in Salford and Manchester. I I knew I know that much about him, but I kind of don't want to know anything more because I don't want to know any experience that shaped this. I just want to imagine this like ornery, like already angry old man when he's nineteen year old, just emerging from the muck of yeah. Manchester and then doing this for. 40 years straight and then that's it. He was a dock worker I think when uh, the uh, the band first took off live at the witch trials and he was like living with a, a girlfriend I think at the time or one of the original one of the original members of the fall who was working at like a mental institution. Oh is that Una Baines? Yeah, I think yeah. that's yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who eventually um, and he said ODs on speedballs and has to leave the group. And he said like <laughs> you know he would spend time with her and like her patients or whatever. And he said that that's when like his his he his hate for hippies really crystallized <laughs> because he saw like all the kind of new agey like touchy feely stuff that they were doing with all these you know people with mental problems and it was only making it worse and like he just wanted you know would talk to them like human beings or give them a cigarette or whatever mm -hmm. and um, yeah. What's your favorite off live at the witch trials, Will? Uh, two steps back. I do like that, like, 
even the music part of it could maybe fit in with like some of the other like immediate post-punk stuff that we've talked about, like the slits maybe. Yeah, like you could yeah, ki- yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of imagine uh, the slits uh, performing something like this yes. until you hear uh, the crazy man start singing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, the current guitarist that the writer talks to shares a story that this, I guess, would have been the prior year. So in 2004, Mark broke his leg by rolling down a slope into a concrete post while attending a rockabilly festival in Great Yarmouth. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's that's almost like it has the lyricism of a fall lyric. It kind of does. Um, And then, so after this happened, they... Flew to. They had a tour scheduled in America. They flew to uh, America. He abandoned his bandmates in Houston with non-refundable tickets back to the UK, <laughs> uh, and canceled the remainder of the tour, leaving them with no money. And also somehow gave them his wheelchair. <laughs> and, and so well, I'm glad he didn't leave them empty-handed. Right. Yeah, at least they have a mean of exactly. transportation. And the guy didn't say what they did for two weeks in Texas, but I can't imagine they had like that great of a Good time. barbecue. Yeah. Or something. Right. Yeah. Right. So that I, that explains why the guy is like losing his hair. Like I get it. Um, no, that else? was somebody who was in the fairly that had happened in that like two thousand five or something. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. So and that yeah. would have been like what? Like maybe a fi- a fifty year old Mark would have who had rolled, raged too hard at the Rock Rockabilly Festival, Festival and rolled into the We've post. We've all been yes. there. We've all done that. Or will have been there. <laughs> yeah. Um, he then talks to Kay Carroll, who is the band's manager in the very early days, like late seventies and eighties and early eighties. Um, she compared being around the fall to her current job, which is working in nursing. She said, head injuries, retarded people, nothing changes. <laughs> so clearly she's got a good attitude about yeah. it. Yeah. She's talking about Mumford and Sons. again. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then he also talks to Steve Davies, who's a drummer, uh, the drummer was so bad that he said his his uh, drum kit would literally fall apart every night, and once he like his stool literally like collapsed, <laughs> and Mark didn't seem to like care. Yeah, it was, I think he was like, <laughs> "Oh, this is good." Yes. Oh my god, um, I could get uh, disliking the uh, the temperament, or the temperament or attitude of drummers, or even like the skill of drumming, uh, but it's it's makes it exceptionally Marky Smithy to actively dislike. Someone who knows how to play their instrument. The drummer playing the song that you're currently playing and trying to sabotage them in the moment of playing the song. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, He talks to a former guitarist named Mark Riley who played during a golden age of the fall, which... The, I would there like was to hear that, that defined. There's been uh, several. There's yeah. been several. This, the, he said early 80s, like 79 to like 82 is like a golden age of the fall. Um, this guy is now a Radio 1 DJ whose nickname is Lard. <laughs> <laughs> so I, honestly, this guy has one of the most... It's so crazy to me, like all these former fall members have like mostly very normal jobs. Yes. Like they work in like healthcare and maybe some of them became like lawyers or something. Very few of them are still like musicians in any proper sense. Uh, I was going to say that Radio One DJ, you know, it seems like it would be cool to like maybe give you like DJ cred to be like, oh yeah, I used to play in the fall. But then also I imagine... If you were like the new DJ coming in, just I hired like, I radio. just played in the fall. <laughs> yeah, radio yeah, yeah. Like, oh yeah, I used to play in the fall. And then like everybody down the cubicle leans back like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> we, um, go, we all go bowling on Thursdays. <laughs> 
uh, Lard's story about getting fired was that in 1982, after a gig, the band was in Australia. They were going out to a club to sort of blow off some steam. And uh, so they were all there and uh, Rock the Casbah is playing. And Mark comes around and just slaps each member across the face <laughs> one by one. And when he reaches this guy, Mark Riley, Mark punched him back and then he got fired. <laughs> he was just like, fuck this. No, he doesn't like uh, resistance of any, he doesn't like people standing up for themselves <laughs> yeah. at all. He doesn't like people standing up for themselves. And then I think also he, likewise, he'll be like, oh no, I pushed you around for far too long and like you haven't stood up to me yeah, at exa- all. Yes, like, exactly. It's a there's lo- no winning. It's a lose-lose. Oh my God. <laughs> Wait, uh, Chris, if you got pull this up on YouTube, yeah, yeah, uh, just search Mark E. Smith versus the sound engineer. Okay, I think this is a good uh, encapsulation. I'm sorry, Kevin. It just it, 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 my headphones. It sounds like fucking dead the Smurfs. It doesn't sound anything like the track of hers. It's not like It's not ridiculous. It's supposed to be. It's quite infectious, you know. Is it uh, just the mix? Uh, like the level of your yeah, it's a fucking mix, yeah. Or yeah. a fucking mix. So fucking just play the fucking track you got. Stop piddling them out. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you get there, yeah. I'll try again, I'll try again. More guitars on the fucking straight. Stop piddling them out on the straight. Fucking guitars. I don't have any control. No, no, you fucking can do it if you fucking try. Let's you know, fucking, let's fucking uh, clean it up. And fucking more of the drums, the bass of the drums. Well, you can't be serious. Kevin, you can't be serious. There's no way anybody... The issue, Mark, is that it's a pre... No, just fucking get it done, will you? It's a pre-mixed track, so I only have the mix that I've been given. I don't have the individual elements of it. Whoa. <laughs> All right. Okay. Don't give it me. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> That's great. Oh, no. I'm glad that we make it all the way to the end to be like, he's... I don't. I don't have. The, I don't have <laughs> yeah. the stems on this. I don't know what you're talking about. That's just. I feel like I'm getting. I, I just reminded wanna... of all the like just bad times I've ever had at work where <laughs> I've just been like trying to uphold someone's unrealistic expectations and be like, I don't have the stems, dude. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry. Uh, I do want to know two visual things about that clip. That it is a very weird to see Marky Smith in the context of like brand new. Uh, shining silver iMac mixing stations Mm. that does not seem like a place that he should be nearby. And the other thing is that there seemed to be a pile of pots and pans right on the desk with the mixer, which I can only assume were being used for these sonic elements of the album. (laughs) You know, James Murphy said in Meet Me in the Bathroom, the best way to start making music is just go around hitting stuff. So maybe (laughs) maybe it's pots and pans for that reason. Yeah. Um, writer talks to Bricks Smith Start. That's Smith Start with a hyphen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bricks is she was married to him. Was yeah, yeah, Mark's Imagine. ex-wife from the mid eighties. She she was a, a, like a, a cool, hot American who like fell in love with him and then joined the band. It probably like their most commercially successful period. Mm-hmm. Um, she was on like um 
the Perverted by Language and Friends Experiments albums are probably their two most, I guess, like accessible or commercially successful albums. Mm -hmm. And yeah, she was sort of like the cool American girl. Oh yeah, this has Eat Yourself Fitter on it. uh, Who fell in love with him and then, um, yeah. yeah. Also, I need to, her name is, her original name was Laura Elise Salinger, but she changed her name to Bricks, which is just so perfectly British rock. I like the, you know, we were like, yeah, this is their most commercially accessible, like, successful album. It's almost poppy. I I can see also how it would be the easiest to be the bassist in the fall, you know? Easy, you know, until he, like, cracks his instrument. Until the physical abuse starts. Yeah. 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 Cool. So yes, what does what does Brick say? Um, she she remembers a time when uh, journalists did something to anger Mark, probably just you know look at him or write a lukewarm review, and Mark More told him that he didn't like <laughs> right, or something. Right. Uh, uh, breathed. Uh, Mark told him, I fucking curse you. You've got the curse of the fall. Two days later, this journalist was in a phone booth when it was run into and crushed by a oh car. My god. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> Marky Smith does have some... Power? S- kind of something going on. Um, well, Hex Induction Hour yeah. is another one of their albums. So, like, yeah, there's definitely some... A lot of like some occult vibes going some on channeling in, in his lyrics and, and darkness that yes. um, he's he's sort of bringing to the floor here. Uh, Bricks also remembers uh, that Mark would piss into cups and hand them to uh, thirsty band members coming off stage. Oh, oh my god! Oh, oh which my that's god. I mean, what, what the fuck? That's <laughs> like, hey, dude. classic prank. That is a classic. Prank. That is a classic prank. prank. Uh, and then she also remembers that once a sound man uh, was fired for eating a salad in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> so that the sound guy we listened to might have gotten off easy or it might have been the same guy. Uh, you know that uh, that joke that we sometimes do, uh, Molly, about like why babies get upset. Why baby? Yeah. Where it's like we never you when you see like a like two year old or even younger, like an 18 month year old crying in public and you just like imagine the thing that made them cry and it's usually something like wrong cracker yeah uh you know uh <laughs> bad uh color yeah uh, Mitt- yeah mittens or yeah. scary are bird sound yeah. yeah uh yeah the blue yeah man is wearing a glasses yes that's like Marky devastating like, yes it's like the reason the 18 months old get get upset yeah you're eating a salad yes unacceptable <laughs> um at this point in the book the author sort of pulls back and he's he's noticing like the reporting process is taking a toll on his personal life. <laughs> he's having nightmares about being in the fall. He's been uh, <laughs> yelling at his wife a little bit. He's been neglecting his dog, not taking it out on so many walkies. It's shitting all over the place. <laughs> yeah. No, this is what I mean by like the H.P. Lovecraft connection is like the fall's work or like getting obsessed with them or like going into this catalog is like the Necronomicon. Uh, like reading it, experiencing it begins to take over your life and alter your reality. Yeah. And begin... It begins to take on a, a kind of uh, a, like yeah a cult um, yeah darkness or yeah. like it begins to alter yes. your reality by by observing it it, it yes, brings exactly. you into its madness yeah. and he says that the thing that at least all the people who he had spoken to at that point they all had in common if they were asked to join the fall again they would 
Even, you know, having literally drank <laughs> Marky e. Smith's piss. Many, well, many of the people who, some of the, the few people who survived Jonestown uh, said the same thing. They're like, yeah, no, Jim Jones is great. We definitely <laughs> sign up again with him again. <laughs> you know, it's like when you want to do, you're a part of something special, you know? Yeah. Right. Individuality, um, you know, so, you know, sort of subsides. Subs- yeah. Subsumes. Yeah. He talks to both a fall member and pr- somewhat, sometime producer Simon Rogers who Simon recounts a show that happened in the 80s he said Mark had a boil on his neck and was starting to hallucinate a doctor lanced the boil and Mark came on stage covered in bandages uh, this curious sight prom- prompted the crowd to throw things at the stage and Carl Burns remember that drummer uh, threw them back uh, when the promoter withheld the fee because his entire you know although this is place classic British fan behavior yeah this is just the way they show love um, Uncivilized when, island barbarian <laughs> nation. Yeah. Uh, when, Get when rid the, of it. Destroy it now. When the promoter uh, withheld their fee, uh, Carl Burns smeared his body with pate from a nearby like catering spread, and then he <laughs> hugged the promoter, smearing him with paste. Uh, the night ended with Simon Rogers, the guy who's telling the story, and Carl Burns wrestling in the mud in the middle of the night. <laughs> Why? The most curious thing from that story for me is why there was pate at the crafty for a fall gig. Who can say? Yes. I mean, I, f- I feel like he, he might have a taste for, for liver, for the, <laughs> you know, in a much more direct way, I would assume. Yeah. Well, like a liver and onions, a guitarist, the second longest serving member of the band is a guitarist named Craig Scanlon. And Mark says that he fired Craig Scanlon because of his slovenly appearance and failure to maintain amps. Uh, but Craig said it was actually he he was fired because he fired the entire band at one time and didn't tell him. Okay, and he just like showed up and they were and they told him to go home. There's there's like thirty five of these people at this point telling these same exact stories. It's just like you show up for practice and he's like, oh, did I already tell you the top bangle set? Or, or sometimes like you would go on a tour and then you would be like, okay, maybe we'll record another album or like we'll go on another tour and he just like would never call you again. And you're just like not in the fall anymore. It's devastating. Guitarist Carl Stewart. Was there, in in the, Renegade, he talks a lot about um, like of these firings or like his, yes. his, his anger, his rage at his uh, bandmates. A lot of it is related to being on tour, mm-hmm. and I believe at one point he he, he, con- he like he lo- he loves comparing them uh, to the British national soccer team and their repeated failures in yes. the World Cup. <laughs> yes. Marky e. Smith is a huge football fanatic. He's a huge football fan. Sparta FC. Yeah, and like he yeah he constantly compares them to the failures of the British national team when they're abroad, and he's like it's just like they're weak. Like they had to call their girlfriend, or like they were yeah. just like. You know, they were being divas about it. Like, they were focused on, like, you know, the, the task at hand, which is, you know, winning the winning the match against, you know, Germany or whatever. Yeah. Didn't he also, I think he said in this book something about for a, a soccer goalie, football goalie, you don't want someone who's been, like, practicing a lot of soccer. You want, like, a Polish guy who keeps getting shot on his street. <laughs> <laughs> which I think would also explain, like, why he treats people the way he does. Um they perform better under pressure. The other thing that I, I can't help but think about is like if you, if it's like something in like the eight late eighties or early nineties or something you you have maybe haven't had access to a bunch of fall records or honestly you might be a total amateur and Mark hires you to be the new guitarist for the fall. Yes. Imagine having Marky Smith teach you how to play the fall songs. Marky <laughs> Smith will teach you to play guitar. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just like having this like this this like cretin 
just scream at you until you play these entire incredibly idiosyncratic songs directly the way that he wants you to play them. Yeah. It oh might be God. better, though, than, you know, them having a whole discography and you have to, like, painstakingly learn it yourself before yes. you get started. Like, you're just going to learn it the way he tells you to do it. Yes, I guess it's true. And either you get it or you don't. Or you get it close enough and he says, yeah, let's move on. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, overall, it's just, like, his his utter contempt for, um, like, yeah, musicians or, like, any of the... Anything that even is like remotely like you know uh, a rock star entitlement, you know, like you know he, he viewed it very much Other as than a the kind of, time. yeah, like a, a working class, like like you know like a, like a, you're doing a job, mate, you know, and like yes. you're not here to be like yeah, you yeah. know fancy or pretty or call your girlfriend or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's or to make money, or yeah, or make money, <laughs> like, no or like have any to really get have any baseline human consideration <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> Uh, sleep, eat, drink, yeah, yeah. anything besides my piss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but that's also the thing that's so interesting is like, this maybe never come through in anything that I read about Mario. I mean, obviously I, I like him as like an idiosyncratic person who made interesting music, but like, I, did, does he care about music? I think or is he it cares all just about a conveyance for him expressing? Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't know if he cares about like music as one might describe it, but he definitely cares about like expressing ideas. And music just happens to be a more interesting form than like being a poet. No offense to poetry, <laughs> but yeah, poetry I mean, readings are like not that. There's no one throwing stuff. Yeah, at I mean, them. I, I guess the thing that I, I never quite grasp on him other than uh, about him and his personality, other than just ascribing it to like a, his certain psychosis, is. Uh, like what? What drives him to do this? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's. I think it goes back to that like earlier quote where he just said like the fall is Marky e. Smith, and like it doesn't matter if you're, it's your Grammy Granny on bongos backing me up. Like it's the fall if I'm doing it, and I think that's what accounts for this like you know insane track record of you know I guess collaborators you might want to call them <laughs> or just crash test dummies that he's abused. <laughs> where I think it's like yeah, I don't know if it like if he. Yeah, really, like, he certainly doesn't have respect for, like, musicians or, like, music, like, you know, being a talented musician. And I think, like, I, I, Molly, I think what you said is right. I think it's just, like, yeah, like, poetry readings aren't getting it done anymore. And I think, like, yeah. the, the the fall or, like, like as a musical act, like, is kind of just a vehicle for his his writing. I think, like, he, mm-hmm. he is mostly, like, a, a, a writer rather than a, a, a musician. Yeah. You know, like, he doesn't play any instruments. It's just, like, the fall, like, the, the music is a vehicle for his writing and like everything else you know all like like it's like alien you know like all other considerations secondary you know yeah yeah you know protect the xenomorph crew (laughs) crew expendable (laughs) (laughs) um this uh guitarist who i didn't even write down their era because who cares anymore it's at some point between 1979 and 2005 he says there was a time when pranks were reversed the rare prank on marky smith when he, he took those well. Uh, yeah, he, he and his bandmate, they had access to uh, a fall song that they had just recorded on a cassette, and they sent it out to John Peel and various other media companies along with a letter that said, hey guys, check out the sound of my new album. This is the brand new fall sound, and I think you'll agree, it rocks. <laughs> and signed it, Marky Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Which I just, pl- I just love that that's you know the tweet format that's like tweet something uh, that if you if people saw it they would know that you'd been kidnapped yeah. like that's Marky Smith yes. thing is like my my new sound <laughs> it's pretty rock and roll guys um, how did he take that not not well <laughs> I don't think anyone got fired because of it though which is so maybe he at least a little bit enjoyed the the taking of the piss on the other end um, 
we get to Julia Nagel, who is the semi-girlfriend, though she says that they did, were not together for very long, semi-girlfriend slash fall band member who uh, is at the other end of his uh, New York assault charges. Um, she says that she didn't call the cops on him. Um, and she says that he was lashing out angrily in all directions and it was unfortunate that I was in the way. Um, so she doesn't like blame him for it at all and seems to, and she actually stayed in the band a little while longer after it, which I think once again kind of proves the cult-like nature of this thing that even like getting whacked across the face by this like completely insensible drunken dude I mean, will you, not get you out. You Usually, yeah, I would try to go far out of my way to not defend this kind of behavior, but maybe if you spent enough time in the band and seen just like literally everyone and everything that he encounters get hit, you wouldn't take it too personally. Yeah, that's why I feel like calling it domestic assault isn't quite accurate because there's nothing domestic about it. <laughs> Her category wasn't a d- domestic partner. It was a band partner. And yeah. under the category of band partner, you're probably going to get smacked by uh, Marky Smith. Yes. It was in New York. It was international assault. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Um, the But she d- did eventually leave after that because, you know, everyone does. And there was a period shortly after that where Mark was rebuilding his lineup and he literally handed a guy in the audience at a show a guitar and asked him to play for the gig. So he, this is Stuart Estelle, and he was the, he's had, I believe, had the honor of being the shortest lived member of the band, which was about 30 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) One one gig. One gig. Um, Also, shortly after this time, the manager of the Chemical Brothers, Nick Dewey was asked to play drums for the fall at Reading because they had abandoned their current drummer at a motorway service station. <laughs> and this was literally God, backstage at Reading and someone comes up to, it's not Mark, but someone else comes up to this guy, Nick Dewey, and is like, who's there for the fucking Chemical Brothers? <laughs> and is like, dude, like we heard you can play drums. Like, will you play drums on stage with us? And he's like, are you kidding? He's like, no, like we can't find anyone else who can do it. And uh, he played with them and he said uh, Marky Smith had had a fight with someone because his nose was cut open and blood was everywhere. Um, I grabbed the guitarist and said, just tell me when the songs start and finish. And obviously no one told me. So this guy is just bashing drums. Not even tell them when the songs start and finish. (laughs) So everyone at Reading, I guess, 98 was blessed with that. Let me see if I can find any footage of that. Yeah. See, you know, filming things with cell phones that shows is obviously very annoying to watch, but you kind of wish that some of these iconic performances would have had more iPhones in the air. Well, you know, know, I can't find that, but let's just see a little bit of Fall Live at Reading. Great. Just to see what it might sound like. This is 91. I mean, obviously the sound quality is horrible. It's being uh, performed on a VHS camcorder but i'm always surprised whenever i see fall live footage about how competent it looks shockingly like they're all seemingly playing the same thing in the same time right because based on these stories it's hard to believe that that ever happens all right we can't listen to much of this because which uh, what is that a oh that's redding 91 It almost sounds like grunge. Yeah, with this incredible distortion. Yeah. <laughs> it's 
seeing them at a festival must be a real... I would have loved to. I would imagine everyone in the audience is probably as shamblingly uh, non-together non as Marky Smith as, as he shows, though. Um, so the ghost in this whole story is Carl Burns. Um, the author, at one point, he even goes to like a village that Carl Burns was rumored to be living in, like a small British village, and he sits in a car park like staring at a sheep and being like, this sheep is not Carl Burns. <laughs> like He's kind of like losing his mind a little bit. Uh, but he never finds him, so I don't, like I said, he, don't he, know if he's he come out of the He becomes a Lovecraft protagonist writing this book. Yes. yes. He's one of the investigators. And a, a very unfortunate thing happens basically at the end of the book, which is that the author's wife, who was a co-Fall fan, they went to see shows together. Like She might have actually been the one to introduce him to the Fall like long, long ago. She leaves him. Oh, no. <laughs> Jesus. He gets left by his wife because she says, I've... Stop being close to you. And it started when you were looking for all those people who were in the fall. Oh, my God. This is like this uh, Robert Graysmith and Zodiac. <laughs> <laughs> this book has destroyed this man. Yeah. An another life destroyed by the fall. <laughs> yeah. that, he, he basically says as much. No, as he's like, like he becomes like a band member that yes, gets exactly. like ditched and fucked over. <laughs> yeah. Yep. He's no longer he's no longer normal. Um, so at the end of this, uh, he says... Uh, along the way, I've found many Marky e. Smiths, a crazed genius, benevolent dictator, disciplinarian father figure, English eccentric, unrivaled pop comic and prankster, school bully, cruel factory owner, and even arch feminist. I think that was referring to the all-female fall lineup, which happened very, very briefly and then <laughs> no, never happened again. Sure. Uh, the myth maker, the loving husband and vengeful lover, the damaged, deranged, out of control drunk, the consummate showman and master craftsman vocalist. However far, uh, however close or far from close I've ventured, I sense that the wonderful and frightening world of the fall has not hasn't yet given up all its secrets. Wow, poignant. Uh, within throughout history, there have been many Marky Smiths, and yet they are all contained in the one Marky. He's Smith. like a like a Dalai Lama. Like, yeah. he, like, he, like we're gonna give like his, you know. <laughs> Like items from his life, <laughs> they're gonna give it to some child, some infant in yeah. Indonesia or something. <laughs> when you find like it, the, when you when you pick out his, you know, uh, the, the, the like what, what crutch that he used to like yeah, beat yeah. up a, uh, his, a bass player, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the vial of speed that he used to write, you know, <laughs> totally <laughs> wired or whatever. Yes. Uh, anything in here about his prolific consumption? Um, only that it. it you just have to assume, you know, all these people say that all these anecdotes happen when he's under the influence of some such or some other. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um. Uh, look up on YouTube. Uh, we can play out with this one. Uh, look up the Mark E. Smith Guide to Writing. Okay, great. Mm. And this is the Mark E. Smith Guide to Writing Guide. <laughs> day by day breakdown. Day one, hang around house all day writing bits of useless information on bits of paper. Day two, decide lack of inspiration due to too much isolation and non-fraternization. Go to pub, have drinks. Day three, get up and go to pub. Hold on in there as style is on its way. Through sheer boredom and drunkenness, talk to people in pub. <laughs> Day four, by now people in the pub should be continually getting on your nerves. Write things about them on backs of beer mats. Day five. Go to pub. This is where true penmanship stamina comes into its own. As by now, guilt, drunkenness, the people in the pub, and the fact you're one of them, 
should combine to enable you to write out of sheer vexation. To write out of sheer vexation. Day six. If possible, stay home and write. If not, go to pub. <laughs> Using this method, this is a poem I wrote called London. I just got over to London. Get me a pint of your fine old British ale. London. Decadent backbone of former empire. Spittle-chin southerner looking forward to next holiday. Digital Croydon. £14 per hour. An immigration backlash type situation here. And there's an Indian clerk in the back room with a literature degree. His boss is a flat-roofed architect, overbathed, intense, project, Victoriana, punish. His clothes are flapping United Nations, Japanese pants, odd boots, Euro shirt. His no shirt, his mind is Parisian, 50s situation, situationalist. <laughs> and neath his designs, you have no choice. Stay where you are. He is looking down on you from his tech drawing board. <laughs> Take the chicken run. Chicken run. Run to the bog. You can do it. Do not. Warning. Ru rumors of grey cancer builders greatly exaggerated. <laughs> <laughs> London. That's lovely. Ah, oh, that is lovely. Uh, good writing suggestion. I won't beat myself go, yeah. self up so much when I'm feeling uh, creatively depleted. I I'll like just when, continue going to the bar. I like that he says that not only is everyone in the bar annoying, but the fact that you are now one of them. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. He's his own worst enemy, man. Um, so what have we learned? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I like, I like Will, your your point of, of the the similarities between him and Lovecraft and this, the idea of like kind of being an ineffable force of madness in the world that perhaps the greatest positive effect in a weird way is drawing others into the madness of it and just putting mm -hmm. that kind of ex like being the kind of person who puts that ex extreme chaotic energy out in a way that is kind of harmful but mostly creates something that that only inspires a kind of positive madness in others you know, it's like radiation. Yeah, yeah. You know, like where would we be without it? Yes, you know, exactly. like there's so many useful, <laughs> so many useful avenues for radiation, but so many bad ones too. Yeah, exactly. But, you, know, you wouldn't want to take away our knowledge of radium, even though it killed the cur the curies. You yes, know, exactly. <laughs> uh, and so, and so casually influential of of so many things that came after it. It's like it's like the Velvet Underground thing, where it's like you, you know they say that only like ten thousand people ever listen to them while they're playing, but they also. Uh, Start a band. I think way, way, way more than ten thousand have li listened to the fall during their time, but only uh, ten thousand of them were mad enough to be uh, uh, like, "Yes, uh, I, I want to, I want to do this." But nobody I thought only ten thousand of them were mad enough to be in the band yes, in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have to. St they didn't have to start their own Velvet Underground. Yeah, yeah. They just joined, joined it. The fall. Yeah. 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 Uh, but it's also, it's also like nobody says that they want to be uh, the fall. They, they are like, let's do a, let's do this song like the fall. Mm. Let's do with a fall song, but that's great. You know, earning a lifetime of enmity from Marky Smith himself for, <laughs> for trying to be like uh, the fall. If you do As a song, he famously did the Stephen Malcolmus in yeah. pavement. If you do a song too much like the fall, 
hated by it. Marcus. Yeah. Do a song too little like The Fall? Bad. No, don't do it. Betrayal. Yeah. I think Bo Diddley is the only guy I've ever heard Marky Smith talk reverentially about <laughs> who, is invo- <laughs> who is involved in music <laughs> at any level. Wow. I would not have predicted that, but also weirdly not surprising. You can look up uh, Marky Smith's comments on Morrissey as well if you're interested for some more, some hardcore <laughs> slagging off. Well, maybe yeah. I'll put that at the very end of the episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, any final thoughts from you, Molly? I don't know. <laughs> How did making this, reading this book make you feel? It made me feel confused but the writer did a good job of telling me exactly who was in the band and when <laughs> i need maybe a graphic would have been even more helpful like maybe vox needs to like do a little like explainer <laughs> who's who was in the fall who explained. was in the fall and when explained i, do I think wanna... actually john boyce could do like a graphics package oh, tracing yeah. the, like the history of every person who's ever been in the fall and one of his weird like, like after yeah effects yeah yeah things. <laughs> i do want to see one more thing before we go one more superfluous thing one of my favorite things, how um, Wikipedia has those like for certain complicated Disam- bands at the disambiguations, not disambiguations, <laughs> but at the bottom, like little graphs of who has been in the band. And oh, when. yes. But usually it's for bands that had like maybe seven members doing four parts over 20 years. Sure. So I do want to see if there are. Oh, I bet that there is a separate page for members of the fall. Let's hope. Members. List of fall band members. <laughs> separate page. It is not a graph, but it is a. Yes, oh, it, it is. is. Yeah. Oh, it is. Wow. This is like looking at like the World Economic Forum's like <laughs> <laughs> annual report or something. Uh, uh, it, it's very hard to follow. Anyway. You understand my pain. Yes. Anyway, uh, maybe I'll link this list of fall band members uh, in the end. But uh, with all that said, let's move confidently into the end part of this episode. Great. Uh, you should screenshot it and do that as the Twitter promo. Oh, that's a great idea. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Will, thank you so much for talking fall with us. Anytime. We'll, ha- we'll have to have you back for the, the actual autobiography, autobiography that you either did or did not write. I, it's, a, it's, a, it's a joy and, and, you know, honestly, my duty to spread, spread, <laughs> spread the madness. Uh, maybe if we ever, ever do a live uh, show of this, we could do the Renegade live. It's like, and yeah, yeah. Like, basically, like being a fall fan is like being uh, the people in Bird Box who have looked at the Oh insanity. my God, <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> and then like, you know, not killed themselves, but taken it upon themselves to make everyone else kill themselves. <laughs> look, look, look. <laughs> also, sh- shout out to you. That's the first Bird Box reference I've heard since that movie came out. <laughs> yeah. And for like three days over like last Christmas, it was the only thing anyone could talk about. Yes. And then it was like everyone just forgot all about the fucking Bird yeah. Box. Yeah. Remember when Netflix said 40 million people watched it in 48 hours or something and nobody ever said it again. Open your eyes. Yes. Uh, welcome. Welcome to the bird box. Uh, we've got Haynes and Spooks. Oh. Uh, let's go out. Can we, can we go out just hearing uh, uh, the chorus of uh, Rector versus Spectre? Yes. Let me cue that yes. up before I do the, uh, the ending patter. And it's uh, the chorus is uh, M.R. James uh, referencing the famous British um, like a ghost story author. Uh, M.R. James, be born, be born. Uh, Yog Sagath, rape me, Lord. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Uh, this has been another episode of And Introducing. We will be back in another two weeks uh, with another story of music, musicians, or uh, some other tangentially related things. People banging on pots and pans. Yes. Molly, do you have anything to plug? I have nothing to plug. Uh, neither do I. This time, uh, you can always follow us on Twitter at andintropod or send us an email at andintroducingpod at gmail.com. Our SoundCloud is, as always, at soundcloud.com slash andintropod. And please subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, 
uh, leave a good rating, and you know what? This time, uh, you just leave a stream of uh, Marky Smith-style vitriol uh, directed at us yeah. about why we were getting fired from the pod for, uh, you know, having the wrong uh, type of shirt on. or uh, You're not on fucking holiday, mate. <laughs> produce, produce for a fucking podcast. Um, but as always, let me also suggest uh, tell a friend yeah. about the show. Uh, yeah. This fun show that you heard about this bad man. Yes, fun show about a bad man. Uh, anyway, thanks again to Will. And we will uh, be back in another two weeks with some more garbage. <laughs> Oh!